Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello, friends, and welcome to season four. We are so excited to be back. This season, we are bringing you practical tips for Christian living. And I know these conversations are going to bless, encourage, and challenge you. Before we get into the first episode, I want to let you know, in case you haven't heard, this season of the podcast, we will be releasing weekly on all of our regular podcast providers, just like we always have. But New this week, we are also on YouTube. That's right. If you or someone you know would prefer to watch these conversations take place, in addition to listening to them, we have made that option available to you. I am excited about this new format, especially because our videos feature closed captions, which make them accessible to our friends who are deaf or hard of hearing. So if that's something you're interested in, go check us out over on YouTube. And if you are watching right now on YouTube, welcome to Good Question. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Today, to launch our practical tips for Christian living season, it only made sense to start where every Christian walk should begin with the reminder to read your Bible and pray every day. We learned a catchy song about it in Sunday school, but how often is this fundamental habit overlooked in the busyness of our lives? To talk about this critical topic, there was no one better than Meg Nahara. Meg is the host of Unedited, a podcast where she shares her passion for establishing the habit of daily prayer and Bible reading. On her podcast, Meg shares a short teaching or devotion, and then she reads an excerpt from her own journal, an unedited look at what the Lord has taught her through this simple discipline. It's a podcast that has been blessing my life, and this conversation with Meg, which I recorded several weeks ago, has changed how I look at my own personal Bible study. I know this one is going to get you thinking, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Meg Nahara. Meg Nahara, welcome to Good Question. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm really excited. We are starting, uh, kicking off a new season. You're going to be our first episode of season four. Um, We're talking about practical tips for Christian living. So the way that I'm envisioning this season is the things that sometimes we think of as so small that we don't even maybe give them enough thought, um, but that are really really impactful to our walk with God and our work for the kingdom. So we're starting off with maybe the basic of the basic things, right? We're going to talk about prayer and we're going to talk about Bible reading. And I invited you on because you have an amazing podcast where you're talking about these things because you have a passion for them. And so I'm really excited to hear your story and talk to you about those today. We'll start though by letting you introduce yourself. Well, my name is Meg. Uh, last name is 
Nahra, the official pronunciation. <laughs> um, I live in Wisconsin, where it is cold at least half of the year, but um, really enjoy the seasons here. I grew up here and then have been back here in my adult life. I have been married for 23 years. I have two amazing adult children, Olivia and Ellis. They have been such a gift in my life. And um, I am a secretary by day and a writer by early morning. I love to write. <laughs> it's a huge part of my Bible reading and prayer time. And um, this is really my passion. This is a topic that I love to talk about more than any other thing as far as education. I have a high school degree or a high school diploma, not degree, um, and just a lot of life experience. Went to one year of Bible college, and other than that, just, um, yeah, a lot of life. So that, yeah. that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. I know I don't want to forget to say that you have recently released a book, and yeah. we will talk about that uh, some more, but I want to make sure that I put that in my own mind that I don't forget to ask you about that. So on your podcast, which is called Unedited, you talk about falling in love with your Bible. And as much or as little of this story that you want to share, I'd love to hear about how you came to fall in love with your Bible. Yes. Well, I will just start when I was 23. Um, I was at a very broken, very disillusioned spot in life. I had been through some really difficult things in my teen years. I had made some bad decisions in my young adult life and really just in a place of complete brokenness. I didn't know what I believed doctrinally. I didn't know if I believed in organized religion. Um, just again, just really messed up, mixed up. And the only thing I knew was that I knew I believed there was a God and I knew I believed that the word of God was true. And so I was one day driving with my mom in a vehicle. We were on Highway 94. I remember the moment so specifically. And I was just kind of talking through some of the things I had been through. I was wrestling a lot of bitterness, a lot of unforgiveness. And she just said a line that changed my life. She said, Megan, you need to pray about it. And I remember saying back to her, I do pray. I pray when I'm washing dishes. I pray when I'm folding laundry. And God just spoke to me in that moment, convicted me and said, you need to get on your knees and pray. And I committed in a very unemotional way to read my Bible and pray every day for the rest of my life. I knew it was something I should do, but I really did not have that, that habit established in my life in any way, shape or form. Probably had been a very long time since I'd read the Bible. And so many incredible things grew out of that. When I started that habit, it was really to figure out what I believed. I said I had been raised in an apostolic home, but I was like, I could have been born into a Buddhist home, a Muslim home, a Catholic home, any world religion. And I know I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for my soul. And so I have to figure out what I believed. And so I really just started um, reading the word of God, sort of to figure out what I believed. But it grew beyond that. And years into the habit, I just looked up and realized that God had helped me work through so much pain in the process of daily bringing all my stuff to him. And so it was in that habit that my Bible became my best friend. I learned to run to God for refuge um, over and over and over again. And that is one of the most powerful things about the habit of Bible reading and prayer is that we have this place of daily processing through all the emotions of our life, whether that's the emotions of our past or the emotions of our present, our present struggles, 
and just dealing with them with God. And it's where he feeds us. There's just so much that happens in that habit. So that is the very nutshell version of how I fell in love with my Bible. Um, there, there's so much more to it, but <laughs> that's the little little version we can fit in for the time. <laughs> well, so I'm just going to get real. I want to just get real about this topic because I feel like I have grown up also in the church and also have had those moments where I realized like, oh, this is something that I hear people older than me elders or, or preachers or whomever say like, oh yeah, you should be doing this all the time. And wait a minute, I'm not doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll start trying to do it. You know, there've been different periods of time in my life where like I get on a real good habit. I had a couple of years where I read the Bible through um, in a year, a couple of years in a row, and then things come up. And and so I'm, I'm thinking back to like young Meg starting this off on this journey to do this every day. Um, And I'm just thinking of the things that I struggle with when it comes to reading my Bible, which is getting stuck in those early Old Testament books and being like, I don't understand any of this or what it has to do with anything today. Um, So talk to me about that. How did you, was that a struggle for you? Did you have to push through any of that stuff as you got started on the habit? Yes, absolutely. Um, And it's been now 20... um, 21 or 22 years of being in this habit. So it's almost like hard to think back to when I started. Yeah. But yes, of course, everybody has times where you come to Leviticus, you come to Deuteronomy and you're like, oh my word. Um, but I will just tell you a few of the things that I think have really helped me um, overall. First of all, when I started reading, I read something from Max Lucado. I cannot find exactly where it is in which book he's written so many books, but he said, read until you come to something that jumps off the page at you, write it down in a notebook and think about it for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And that concept really revolutionized my understanding of Bible reading. I think I had always thought of it kind of as a checklist item. I had thought of it as read, you know, a chapter a day or read it and check it off your checklist kind of thing. And so this gave me permission to slow down with the word of God. And so that is one of the keys for me personally. There's even days now where I don't make it through a whole chapter. Mm. I am a huge quality over quantity. Mm. Um, When it comes to the Bible, I remember one day, a number of years ago, I was in a season of transition. My husband and I were in a ministry transition And I I think it was like January 1st, I opened up to Genesis 1-1 and it said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you know that verse where it talks about formlessness and void void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it was like everything that I was feeling, it was formless, it was void, (laughs) it was dark. And God, it was like God just struck me down with that one verse. And I was just in that verse for maybe an hour. I don't even know. But there are so many times where God speaks to me in the first three, four, five verses, or I'll start reading and then he'll bring another verse to my mind and I'll go there. So I think just giving myself permission that it doesn't have to look like this rigid structured thing. This is how I form a relationship with Jesus. And 
So that little key, just reading until something jumped off the page at me was so massive for me. And again, gave me permission to read the Bible in maybe a different way than I had always understood it. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if that helps answer that question. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot because I think you're right. It does become a checklist, sometimes a literal checklist in your Bible where you're marking off as you read. Um, but then you can get in wrapped up in like, oh, I got a day behind. There's no point in trying to catch up. I'm so far behind. I'm never going to catch up. Um, and then you get weighed down with all this shame and then you don't go to the place where you it's all just tricks of the enemy to keep you out of the place where you're going to get fed. Um, But it's so easy to succumb to that. So I really, I really like that tip a lot. So, so that speaks, I guess, then to seasons of life when it's a little bit more difficult to spend a lot of time in the word. You're, you're using Um, that habit there. I'm sorry. I talked right over you. You're fine. Um, as far as busy seasons of life and even just establishing this habit, a few things, first of all, when you're starting this habit, and this probably goes back to the last question, you just have to commit to the habit. It doesn't have to be in an emotional moment where you're weeping. This is a just do it habit in a lot of regards. Um, and any good habit in your life, whether that's getting healthy, whether that's running, you're always going to find that it starts off as a discipline. And this is a discipline. And the discipline of this is going to carry you when the inspiration is not there. Because sometimes I, I still have days where I lack inspiration, right? We're not going to be carried along on this cloud of inspiration all the time. So we have to just really commit to it. Um, another thing as far as it establishing the habit in busy seasons or really in any season is finding a time and a place. You have to have a time and a place that you carve out. Now, I am a massive fan of early morning. Um, When I first started out, I would read my Bible and pray when my kids were taking a nap. Well, they were very tiny and they didn't take naps forever. So I had to figure out plan B. I switched to early mornings. I am not naturally a morning person, but I started getting up at 530 And I pretty much have kept an early morning habit ever since then. And there's a lot of scriptural proof for early morning. I understand everybody's life is different. Everybody's season is different. So just do trial and error, what works for you, but have a consistent time and a consistent place and defend it. Um, Carve that time out of your schedule and just come to a place where you really see that this is the source of everything else in your life and you're willing willing to defend it. I think another thing is having a perspective shift. Um, Like you said, and like we kind of talked about already, it's so easy to see this as a checklist item or like my Christian duty. And that is one of my primary goals with both the podcast and the book is to help people see that this is not a checklist item. This is an incredible privilege that I get to go in to the presence of God, the creator of everything, every single day of my life, if I choose to take that opportunity and get to know his heart and have him um, pour himself into me. So this is an incredible privilege. And I think just having, having that perspective shift that the creator of heaven and earth wants to spend time with me. Um, And I know I already alluded to it a little bit, but starting small, don't be afraid to start small. 
Don't be afraid to start off with five minutes. Don't be afraid to set your timer for 10 minutes. And maybe you don't even talk to God for the whole time, or maybe you don't even read a whole chapter. Just start off small and be willing to allow it to grow. And it really does. I mean, I can tell you that this has become the absolute best part of my life. Um, something that I know how I feel when I start off my day this way. And I know how I feel when I don't start off my day this way. And it definitely sets the tone for your day. Yeah. So I love that. One of my, um, one of my favorite podcasters talks about how uh, whenever she's setting a new habit, whatever it is that um, to fight through that mentality of like, Oh, I have to do this. She sets it up for herself as an experiment. And she says, okay, well, how will I feel at the end of how, uh, 90 days if I do this every day for 90 days? Well, she's not going to get that result if she stops in the middle. So she's like, mm. if I, I don't give up on an experiment. I want to see what happens at the end. And so she kind of sets frames it for herself that way. And so I'm thinking about what you said about how you know how you feel when you do it and you know how you feel when you don't. Um, that might be a mindset shift for someone to be like, I'm just going to try this experiment. I'm going to see how I feel at the end of a month if I read my Bible every day, even if it is just a verse or two until I get to something that jumps off the page. And um, I feel like those kinds of encouragements are the things that have helped me, especially as a young person. I had um, one one thing that I heard when I was a young adult, um, our youth pastor said, your flesh is never going to want to spend time in the word and in prayer. So stop expecting that you're going to always wake up with this just burning desire to be there. You are going to have to discipline yourself um, to get into a place where you need, where you need to be because you know, it's the right thing to do, not because you feel like it every time. And that really opened my eyes because I think as a young person, we look at older saints and we think, and and they probably have gotten to that place, like you're saying that you have, where now you now you know um, how much of an impact it makes on your life. And so, yes, now there is uh, a desire to be there. But in in the beginning, there are times whenever we have to fight through our own flesh to get to what we need to be doing. Um, so I think that's that's really been helpful to think about. So. And, and we're kind of dwelling on the same thing a lot here, but it's, I feel like it's, I hear people say these things and I think they really struggle with them. And I know I do as well, which is an all or nothing mindset. So I have, I'm like you, I'm not naturally a morning person, but I do know that I feel better um, if I can get up before everyone else is up and I have time even just to wake up on my own, just to let my brain come awake and like drink my coffee and feel like, okay, I can now interact with you. I don't have to hit the ground running. I'm not good at hit the ground running. <laughs> yes. um, and so I like to have my Bible and prayer time um, when I first wake up, if I can. Um, but in this season of life that I'm in right now with small kids, uh, it's become just more and more and more difficult. And what I find myself doing is like, if I miss that window in the morning, for whatever reason, I was up in the night with a baby or somebody woke up at five o'clock randomly and they're now out here with me. Um, then I'm like, oh, well, today's a wash. Like, 
I could, I, I can't do it today because I missed that time that I had planned to do it. So what would you say to someone who has that all or nothing mindset? How would you encourage them to kind of break free from that? I would say, you know, first of all, that just again, that paradigm shift, this isn't me doing my good Christian duty. This isn't me checking this off my list. This is me giving God access to my heart and my life, sharing deep things with him and him sharing things with me. Um, and with that, you think about a relationship. And I say this a lot of times when I'm talking to people, but if you think about your marriage, you don't say, okay, we're waking up at eight o'clock and then at 8.02, you're going to pour the milk and the Cheerios. We're going to eat a banana. And then at 8.04, you're going to ask me how I'm doing. And it's the same exact thing every day, right? There's this ebb and flow. There's this back and forth. And sometimes you might not even see each other in the morning because one of you went to the gym, the other one left for work while they were at the gym. Maybe you call them at 9 a.m. Maybe you send a text at 10 a.m. So it looks different every day. And I think it really is the same thing in our walk with God. Yes, have a time and a place, defend it. But on the other side, give yourself grace when that doesn't work out. I love Psalm 103 where God writes and says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. God <laughs> gives us a lot of grace. And even in this area, he's not. Ex- he wasn't ever looking for people who could go through routine and ritual. That's religion. We, we, if we are just going through routine, it's hollow and it's shallow. God is looking for this deep connection. That's why he made humanity was mm-hmm. for relationship. And so I think just remembering, like, if you don't get that early morning time slot, he's not sitting up there with a club, like ready to bonk you over the head. <laughs> he wants to, you know, invade all the middle parts of your day. And so maybe you just have five minutes you know, to catch just a quick conversation with him, that's okay. Like you're forming a relationship. And also I think with that said, a lot of times, even if we are, you know, checking the early morning box and we're spending one hour on our knees, like you can leave Jesus there. He doesn't want that either. He wants Mm. to walk through our day with us. And when we're going on to the other parts of our day that we are still continuing to carry on that conversation with him and bring him into our moment by moment, you know, issues and struggles, things that we need wisdom to handle. So yeah, again, I think it is important, like you had said, to realize it's a discipline, but also understand that the discipline is the skeleton for a relationship. Mm, I like that. I do like that. I'm thinking um, one of the thoughts I've had in recent years, like I said, I've got small children and I'm an introvert. And so it feels like a lot of people are asking a lot of me as far as my energy is concerned. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm giving out to my kids. I'm giving out to my husband, to my job. <clears throat> and there have been times where I've had to even fight a mindset of like, God, coming to you feels like one more person that needs something from me. Like mm-hmm. I, like even, even forming my thoughts into prayer is like another person that wants me to talk to them and I don't have any more words (laughs) (laughs) and I've had to really like change the way I look at that and think no like he just wants to spend time with me 
And mm-hmm. yes, me me putting my thoughts into prayer and into words is important, but it's more important that I'm just spending time with him. Mm-hmm. And I even had when my babies were really little, I remember reading um, an encouragement to, to moms that were saying, you know, sometimes we get up early in the morning and we're so tired that we go to our, our place of prayer and we fall asleep and we feel like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And um, this woman was saying, she said, how do you feel when your babies crawl up in your lap and fall asleep? Mm. Like, that's the most wonderful feeling to feel like, oh, they're so they're safe and comfortable and they're here in my arms asleep. And she's like, don't you think the Lord feels the same that you came and sat in his presence and you were so comfortable that you could fall asleep? Not that you want to do that every day, but um just kind of like you said, that grace for ourselves that we are human and we do have um we do have limitations and the Lord understands those. And it's it's about being with him and spending time with him. And it's for me remembering that it's not that I he needs anything from me. It's that I need from him. Mm-hmm. I need him to his spirit to pour into me and and refresh me so that I can give out to the people around me who I, you know, I'm here to, to love and to minister to. Yeah. It's, it's all about changing the way we think about it. And it's so hard whenever you have ingrained mentality of it being something that's difficult or something that's rigid and structured. And um, so I think it's, I think it's good when we talk through some of these ways we can shift our mindset around it. So we're talking kind of mixing Bible reading and prayer together. And I know you're also a journaler, which I am as well. Um, So do you find that you use your journal to write your thoughts from what you read? Do you write out your prayers, uh, some combination of those things? How do you personally kind of use your, your tools in that, in that regard? Well, I'm definitely a huge journaler. Um, I think I have 53 full journals now (laughs) going back to 1991. I haven't counted for a bit, but somewhere around there. I, um, you know, what I share on the podcast each week is usually have a little opening segment with tips and tricks or just a little thought. And then the second half is actually something that I've written everything for the most part that I ever share is things that I've written in my own devotional time. I will say, um, I am not a very, you know, so I have a time and a place, but I'm not a very structured person within that time and that place. Some days I start off with praying. Then I go to Bible reading. Some days I start off with Bible reading. Some days I start off with writing. It just sort of depends how the day goes for me. That works. There's some people that that would not work for. So I wanted to say that kind of before I talk about journaling, um, with journaling, that looks a little different from day to day too. I ha- I always write the date every single day. There's probably rare exceptions to that. And I have a couple little things that I just write every single day. Um, and then from there, sometimes I'll write memories from the day before. Sometimes I write prayers. If I'm having a hard time praying verbally, um, which I do believe there's incredible power in verbalizing things to God because it takes all the stuff that stays bottled up inside otherwise and keeps it from becoming toxic. That Mm -hmm. is one of the most beautiful aspects of prayer 
Um, I once heard Raymond Woodward share a quote from Dawson Trotman, but it says thoughts disentangle themselves as they pass through the lips or the fingertips. And so that's why Mm. there is truly power in verbalizing things to God or in writing them down in a journal. And there's actually proof that writing in a journal has as much um, mental health benefits as a session with a psychotherapist. Because again, you're taking all this craziness in your brain. It has to go through your arm, through your hand, through your pen, to a piece of paper, and you have to organize it. And so it forces you to deal with all the stuff that's up there. But so sometimes, um, like I said, I will write prayers if I'm just kind of having a hard time. And God will sometimes meet me in that so deeply. That's very rare for me at this point. Um, But a lot of times it's how I study the Bible. A little thought will occur to me or as I'm reading, I still have that same experience. A verse or a word jumps off the page at me. I sometimes look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew, write down the meanings. It's just very different from day to day. Um, But it has really become a way of devotional writing for me. Mm. And I've done a, a ton of devotional writing over the years. Um, I also, one of the other things with journaling that I do, and I always encourage other people to do is save little things. Like if I get a card, I used to put, put them in a box and then that box is like buried deep in the basement, but I actually tape them in my journal. If it's really a meaningful card, I'll tape it right in on the day I got it. They're kind of become like a little scrapbook in that mm-hmm. sense. So it's like this mixture of memories and sermon notes and devotional writing and, um, thoughts. So I hope that answers that question. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I have found for myself that, um, journaling, I, I like to start with journaling usually and do that kind of brain dump of anything that's like bothering me or something I can't get off my mind. It helps me with waking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. If I try to sit down and immediately try to pray, I'm probably going to fall asleep. I've just learned that about myself because I'm not a morning person. Um, but if I can start with journaling, then I'm waking up my mind. I've got something that I'm focused on. Um, and then oftentimes I'll start writing out prayers and then I'll just be like, okay, I I have too much to say and I can't get it out of my hand fast enough. So then I'll just set the journal aside and then go into verbally praying. And then when I'm reading, I might pick the journal back up to jot down, like you were saying, notes about what I'm reading or thoughts that come to me as I'm reading. And I just, I find it so um, encouraging what you're saying that every day can be a little different. The Lord can uh, meet us in whatever way we approach it that day. And that's okay. It's okay if today I write a prayer and tomorrow I write about what my kids are doing. And, um, you know, today I kneel down and pray and tomorrow I get interrupted and go, go pray as I make breakfast, you know, it all, it all um, flows together into that building of a relationship. I think that's really, really great. I like it a lot. Well, this question is one we're going to ask um, about all of our topics this season. So for the past few seasons, we've picked a couple questions that we ask every guest. And so Uh, This one is going to be one that I'm asking every guest about each topic that we're covering. And that is, what impact could it have on our effectiveness in the kingdom if we do or don't practice daily Bible reading, prayer, and building that relationship with God? That is such a good question. (laughs) I loved when I read that question. 
I once heard Mickey Mangan say, all ministry comes from overflow. Mm. And like you had said a little while ago, you know, sometimes we see this as it's one more person needing something from me, but this is really where God pours into us and equips us for the rest of the service that he asks Mm -hmm. of us. And that little quote from her just stuck with me and Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So it is in the habit of Bible reading and prayer that we form, that we foster, that we grow and strengthen this connection to Jesus. And so I know, you know, it might sound harsh, but I'm not sure we even have real, true, enduring, impacting ministry if we're not in this habit. And again, not in a condemning way. I don't say that because I know we can do, we have a certain level. We're created in the image of God. We can have a certain level of impact outside of this habit. But this is where he gives us directives. This is where he gives us prescriptives on who to reach out to and how to reach out to them. And it's not always, you know, him literally giving us a map or, you know, mm-hmm. but it, this is where we learn to hear his voice. This is where we learn to connect with him. And you think about the passage where, um, you know, Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. These were people who knew how to do ministry. They said, have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done all these great signs and wonders? They were doing ministry. Mm-hmm. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. And that is a scary, scary, scary phrase. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to stand before you. And have you say you never knew me, even if I did quote unquote, all these great things for your kingdom. You know, I think of, I think it's Hosea six, six, Jesus said he desires, um, the knowledge of God more than sacrifice. And Mm -hmm. he wants us to know him. Jesus actually quoted that to the Pharisees in the new Testament. So I once heard somebody say, uh, if you don't read your Bible and pray, you'll go to hell. I think that's a very extreme statement. (laughs) And I think you might scrape into heaven if you don't read your Bible and pray. And I think really helping other people get to heaven is going to be very, very difficult if we don't have this habit established. So I know that that probably is a really, I mean, I am, I'm passionate about this habit and I really believe it is the source for everything else in our life. Everything grows out of this habit. If we're ever going to bear fruit in our Christian life, if we're ever going to be truly productive, it comes from this habit. So again, I don't say any of that in a condemning way or or to shame anybody if they struggle with this habit or have maybe haven't gotten it fully up and running. But there is just something so powerful for this habit. And this is what Jesus wants. And I will say this. Um, I find that oftentimes when we're in church, people come to church They learn how to do church things. They learn Mm -hmm. how to have a relationship with the church. They learn how to go through the motions of amening the sermon. And we get enough food in a church service to scrape us by till the next church service. So we may not die, but we're not going to be spiritually healthy if we only have this relationship with church. It, It has to be a relationship with the church, but it more than anything has to be this deep personal daily relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then we take what we get there and we take it to church and we're not getting to church to receive and to be fed. We're getting to church to pour out to the people that we come in contact with. We get to church and we're ready to pour out to him in worship mm-hmm. and to have our hearts ready for the preached word, which the Bible says we're saved by the foolishness of preaching so again, I feel like I'm like giving you a really like poor <laughs> answer on that, but I am passionate about this habit. I don't feel like, like for me, it's not a non-negotiable. This is where I get fed 
spiritually. And if you think about like we have the spirit and we have the the flesh, right? And if we're not feeding our spirit, you know, you think about your your body, if you're we just naturally eat, right? We mm-hmm. don't have to think like, oh, I'm in a busy season. I don't know if I have time to eat. We just do it. We're gonna Yeah whatever we have to do to get food in, even if it's not the best food ever, we're going to get a granola a bar and we're going to get an apple in, we're going to get a piece of string cheese in because we know we have to survive. And I think we have to just come to that place spiritually where we see this as yeah. a non-negotiable. Yeah. It's, it's making me think back. <clears throat> it's making me think back a couple of years to 2020 when all of a sudden we couldn't get there. We, we couldn't come together for that, for that feast together in the church, you know? And, um, I don't I don't say this to to criticize anyone but I just remember reading an article of a of a pastor who was who was fighting really hard against the restrictions um of not being able to gather and was saying, you know, how are you ever going to stand in the last day if you can't stand against, you know, this the government telling you we can't meet together. And I thought to myself, how are we going to stand in the last day if we can't function individually as Christians without being in church 3 times a week? Wow. Because that that was what the Lord started dealing with me about in 2020 was okay, you can't you can't do all these things that you're in the habit of doing to make you feel better or to make you look better or no one sees what's going on in your house right now. So what what's really the the real truth about your walk with me and I think a lot of people came out of those days of not being able to be in church stronger. And there were other people who came out and and it really, they took a a really bad hit to their walk with God because they realized they couldn't, they didn't have that foundation of relationship to keep them going when we couldn't gather together as a body. Um, And not that the gathering is not important because it is, and it's, it's something the Lord wants us to do. But we can't rely on that solely. Um, mm-hmm. ugh, it's so I, I appreciate that you're passionate about it. I appreciate that you're that you're telling us like it is because it's so important. I think you, you know you're saying people come to come into the church, but people grow up in the church with that as well, and we know what mm-hmm. to do because it's just what we do. But are we ever establishing it in a relationship for ourselves? Yeah. Good things to think about. Well, is there anything about this topic that I have not asked you that you want to make sure you share? You know, I think one of the things I just want to talk about really quickly is the proof for this habit. So you had mentioned earlier that I have a book. I published Mm -hmm. it recently. Um, I started working on that book over seven years ago. God had laid it on my heart really to publish parts of my journals as a means of helping other people establish the habit of Bible reading and prayer. And over the time spent working on the project, I totally accidentally ran across proof for um, the Word of God, Bible engagement, ran across proof for the power of solitude, and I ran across proof for um, journaling. There's also proof for prayer. There's proof for speaking in tongues. I don't I haven't necessarily focused on those so much because I feel it a little less tangible and some of the research is a little bit harder to actually quantify. But I just want to talk about the power of the Word of God. There is an organization called the Center for Bible Engagement. They have done research with over 400,000 
people. So this is a big sample that they've done research with. When a person is in the Bible one time a week, two times a week, or three times a week, there's very little change in the person's life. Now they say Bible engagement. So this is not even Bible reading. This is just, it could be you opening a Bible in a church service, right? So we could open our Bible in a church service three times a week. When a person is in the Bible four times a week, the statistics that they found jump off the charts. I should have gotten them and put them in my notes. I didn't. Um, But I know, for example, and this is on my website, um, you could go there and see it, or you could go to the Center for Bible Engagement and see their actual study that they've put together. It's called The Power of Four. The statistics jump off the chart. Feelings of loneliness go down by 30%. Viewing pornography goes down by 60%. Um, Sharing your faith goes up by 230%. consuming alcohol. I don't remember the exact percentage, but it's a very dramatic percentage that your likelihood of of getting drunk goes down. They have all these things that are quantifiable. So in order to be in the word of God four times a week, you have to be intentional, right? And Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I think this is why, this is for me, they don't say this, but I personally feel that this is because in order to be in the word of God four times a week, you have to be intentionally doing it. And God rewards those who are seeking him. And, and so this is not just, you know, I'm passionate about Bible reading and prayer and I'm passionate about God healing through Bible reading and prayer because that was my own personal experience. But this goes so far beyond a personal experience. And this is something that literally has verifiable proof. These all have mental mm-hmm. health benefits and actually proven quantifiable benefits in a life. Solitude, just being alone with your thoughts journaling, writing, and getting stuff out of your heart, out of your brain onto a piece of paper and being in the word of God. It's God's book about himself. It's where he reveals his character, his nature, his heart, his love for humanity. So yeah, I just thank you. I'm That's really my passion behind this. Yeah. That it's not just my own personal experience, but there's proof for this habit in a life. Yeah, I, I love all of that. We've touched on so many different ways that this could be helpful. Um, and I just, I'm, my brain just jumped back to what you said at the beginning of wondering what you believed. And I think about so many young people, you know, the, the buzzword in Christianity right now is deconstruction. And mm. people are are taking apart what they've been taught and trying to examine all the pieces of it and see if they really believe it. And so I guess my encouragement for, for a young person, if you're sitting here in your church and you're thinking, I just don't know if this is right or not. I just don't know if this is really the truth. You can go to trusted mentors, you can go to, you can go to commentaries, you can, and you can go and you can find people that will give you the answers that you want. Mm -hmm. um, If you're wanting to look for a way out of what you've been taught. But if you want to know what's the truth, and if you want all these benefits that Meg is talking about, about improvement in your, in your mental health and in your well-being, just get in the word get straight in the word and ignoring everything else and, and see what the word has to say about whatever you're, you're wondering about. Yes. Yes. There's so many people that turn to YouTube, turn to TikTok, looking for all the answers. And there's a lot of people talking and telling you what's right and wrong. And at the end of the day, Bible says that his word is truth. And that is what we're going to be judged by when we get to that 
moment when we're standing before him. It's him and his word and us. And we're not going to have anybody else to blame for knowing or not knowing because we have access to his word. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. What a blessing it is to have access. Mm, Yes. Well, we always wrap up our show with the same question, which is because our show is called Good Question, Meg, what is a good question you are asking yourself lately? Well, I ask myself a lot of questions. (laughs) When I saw this on the list, I was like, wow, which one? But a question that has really been resurfacing in my mind lately, and I wrote it in my journal a few weeks ago, is when I die, will they bury a beautiful corpse or a beautiful soul? And God has just been working me over with that question. I'm 44. I'm beginning to kind of see all the, you know, I'm not ancient of days, but you just start to see all the little changes in your energy level or your wrinkles or just whatever. And we live in such a culture where there's this heavy emphasis and focus on outer beauty. And it puts a lot of pressure, especially on women. And I just have been just... I don't know, kind of not, I don't want to say consumed, but again, it's just been resurfacing in my mind. At some point I am going to age. I am going to get old and shriveled and wrinkly, but I can have a beautiful soul in spite of that. And I can spend all the money in the world to go through all the plastic surgery options and they could bury a beautiful corpse even at 90, right? Like beautiful according to the world standards. But Peter talked about, you know, adorning the hidden man of the heart to let Mm -hmm. our adorning not be the outward but to be the inward. And so I'm just praying that the Lord will help me to cultivate a beautiful soul. At the end of the day, we all get to determine what our insides look like and what we allow to stay there. You know, just really just, I feel he's just reminding me not to let any shred of bitterness, any shred of hatred, any shred of unforgiveness or hostility toward anybody, you know, to remain there. So that's the question that really I just feel I've been asking a lot lately. Oh, I love it. A good one to keep in mind as we decide what we're going to spend our time focusing on and what we're going to spend our time worrying about or not. <laughs> yes. What, yes. I, what I look like is maybe a little bit important, but not nearly as important as the part that the Lord sees that no one else really sees. Hmm. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Meg. Friends, like I said at the top of the show, this conversation was convicting and impactful for me. I cannot stop thinking about Meg's observation that so many of us develop a great relationship with the church, but never dig into a deep personal relationship with God. How true is that? I also have been using her method of reading the word until something jumps off the page and then taking time to really dwell on that, to meditate on it and let it speak to me rather than rushing through a checklist of chapters per day. It is transforming how I view my Bible and I highly recommend it. 
I hope you connected with this conversation. I just love Meg's passion for this topic. I encourage you, please go check out the unedited podcast. Go find Meg on social media. On Instagram, she's at unedited Meg. And you can also check out her book, which is available on Amazon. She has so much wisdom to share on this topic. We could not have fit it all in this one episode if we tried, but I am so grateful she was willing to chat with us here on Good Question. If this episode encouraged or challenged you, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Come find us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook or send us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media. It's produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who is adding video content producer to his resume this season is my amazing husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.